Good afternoon, Metro Augusta. This is Janice Allen Jackson welcoming you to the July 1st edition of Local Matters, a show designed to make you a more confident voter and a more engaged citizen. Today's show is brought to you by my favorite airport, Augusta Regional, and my own consulting firm, Janice Allen Jackson and Associates, LLC. For today's show, we have a very special guest. I announced at the end of last week's show uh, that my special guest would be one of my homeboys. He is Isaac Ford Jr., or Ike, as we affectionately call him. Uh, I have known Ike since he was in the third grade and I was in the fourth grade because his sister was one of my very best friends when we were at W.S. Hornsby Elementary School. Uh, from there, Ike graduated from the uh, A.R. Johnson Health Professions High School. I think he was in one of the first graduating classes there. And uh, he went on to a distinguished career in the military. Um, there are several other things about Ike that will be revealed during the process of this interview, but I'm going to let him speak for himself. Uh, I want to start off by having discussion about his book project. It is called Up From the Bottom, A Memoir, and it shares a lot about his experiences growing up in our good old hometown of Augusta. So, uh, Ike, if you could share with us some of the things that uh, are in that book and why it was so therapeutic for you to have written this book, we'd appreciate it. Well, first of all, Janice, thank you for being so gracious and inviting me to be a part of it. Uh, even though we're doing this virtually, I feel like I'm back home again. And for you to start talking about uh, way back, uh, uh, talking about Hornsby and, and the like, uh, it just warms my heart. Uh, but I, uh, I wrote Up From the Bottom a memoir and released it in 2019, April 2019, um, as a result of wanting to complete my own healing and also uh, in hopes of using my life experiences and some of the things that by the grace of God that I've overcome um, in ways that it might be able to be informative, instructive, and maybe help other people. Other people that have gone through traumatic things, that have gone through adversity, uh, have gone through things and may wonder whether or not those things uh, will uh, irreparably define the rest of their lives. And so that was my, my purpose in writing the book. The book is about tragedy, resilience, forgiveness, and unconditional love. Um, and I talk about some really tough themes and, and topics there, but I also want to make sure through this book that I, uh, I gave a better a sense, gave the readers a sense of um, the richness uh, that was also involved in, in my life uh, growing up in East Augusta, Georgia, affectionately known as the bottom. And so uh, real quick, I was at a conference in April of 2018 in San Diego in a hotel um, and I uh, ran into two ladies being from the South. We speak to each other, all of us do. And uh, quick conversation within 10 minutes elapsed. We're in the lobby and asked where you're from. They said, where are you from? Long story short, I was standing in front of a lady that was my CPS caseworker from 41 years ago. The last time that she and I were in the same space together, I was at University Hospital. I was fighting for my life and my left lung had been punctured with a steak knife. And that was done by the most trusted person on the planet. And so um, in mental health, we talk about resilience. Uh, we talk about, uh, in the book, uh, in, in all of the books talks about resilience. We talk about post-traumatic growth. And all of those things also played a part 
uh, but I also say it's because of faith, my strong faith and because of the village that I had in the bottom, uh, grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, affirming people, systems, uh, my church in Upper Bound. Uh, so I made, made a point of make sure that th that was as much of a part of my story as talking about the tougher themes. And uh, so ultimately, I wanted to write this book to let people know that no matter where you start in life, no matter what happens to you, and of course that resonates with a lot of us right now with what we're going through, you can still, with hard work, determination, with faith, and surrounding yourself with positive, affirming energy and people, you can still write your own narrative and live life to the fullest until the music stops. So that's what that's what this book is about. Because, uh, excuse me, I remember proudly as you uh, had your book signing here in Augusta last year, uh, I was fortunate enough to be one of the people who was there for that first book signing. And uh, as I flipped through the pages of the book, and I'll tell everybody, it's a very quick read. Um, it, it, it keeps you captivated because it's a story, particularly if you're from Augusta, you really connect to um, because you talk about all those familiar places and, and people that we're, we have in common. Uh, as I sat there and I start flipping through the pages that evening, I read some of the things and there were some things in there that I had actually forgotten. Uh, and as I remembered it, as I read it, it all started coming back to me and I shuddered sitting right there because I remember when a lot of those events took place. So if it did that to me while I was reading it, what did it do to you to, to write it? You know, what kind of emotions did you go through as you were writing the book and as you go out now and speak and talk to people about the contents of, of that book in your life? This book, uh, when I left... Um that hotel lobby that day, I called back home and I talked to a lot of the elders there, my siblings, and I told them about it and they couldn't believe it. Um, but I came home and I said, I made up my mind I was gonna write about it. Um, and, and so when I started that process, there were some very difficult uh, chapters for me to, to write. Um, Trouble on Hill Street. I lived in Delta Mountain Housing Projects. I won't give the address because I don't want people to be bugged there but uh, on East Hill Street. And so I talk about trouble on Hill Street and that was very difficult for me to write. And to this day, I can't write, I still can't, can't read it without getting emotional. Um, and there were other chapters in there that, that really were really painful, but as a therapist, as a clinician, uh, the more that you, you deal with and you, and you broach a certain topic, doesn't make it go away, but it, it kind of takes some of the sting out of it the more you deal with it. So as I've uh, discussed the book, um, and my book is a part of a course at the Suzanne DeVore Peck School of Social Work. It's being used as a case study for resilience. And I've talked to students throughout the whole year. I'll be, be back in, in the class as a guest lecturer in about uh, another two weeks. The more I talk to the students and we have discussions, it kind of makes it, it it's, uh, it's helping to, to, to complete my healing. So that was a twofold purpose of writing. One, to complete my own healing and then help other people. Because there are a lot of people that are going through things, and especially during these times right now. And uh, so just letting people know that if you can look up, you can get up. There's hope. And uh, just surround yourself with positive, affirming energy, people. If you don't have a village like that, go create one. So that's what I wanted to do. Uh, and I thought that at this point in my life, I thought that it was time. 
you mentioned how the book is designed to help people. Uh, who specifically did you have in mind when you when you wrote this? I wanted to I want to speak to that 13 year old out there. I want to speak to that young person whose family is fractured, who may have a, a family member that struggles with substance abuse, that uh, may have been traumatized, that may have a father that's missing from the home, they might be living in poverty. I want to speak to uh, individuals that may that 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 don't have a, a a direct line out of those situations, but try to share with them some of the ideas uh, that might be useful for them to try to find that. And so it's you know I say in the book it's it's very difficult to to be what you haven't seen, uh, but it's not impossible. So I use bits and pieces of things people I saw in my community in my family, and then as I left. Augusta. I did the same things. So I wanted to, to write that for that young person and for that adult that may be in a, in a really tough space right now. And I'm also a retired Marine, so be it from PTSD, transitioning, be it whatever, just let them know there's a way forward, you know. And um, I also talk at length in there about faith. Faith was a big part of that as well, of, of uh, all that I am. Uh, but in short, everything that I am, Janice, and everything I'll ever be, I credit to people right there in the bottom. And you mentioned faith as well as you mentioned uh, counseling, mental health, therapy. In the black community, to be perfectly honest, we are oftentimes reluctant to seek professional help from somebody who is a, a licensed clinical social worker or a mental health professional, a psycholo psychologist or a psychiatrist. We're reluctant to do that. And we'll tell people, well, you just need Jesus. And you seem to have a handle on bringing both of those together. Can you speak a little bit about how significant that is in particular for us as African-Americans? Well, growing up, um even though there were people around me, it's very difficult for people to understand that. Certain things that you have to go through before you can really understand. So a lot of people, even my family, you know, it wasn't until they read the book that they understand how, how things, how tough things were for me. And so there was nobody to really talk about with that. Um, and so for me, it's interesting when I'm, when I'm talking in academia, we talk about the theories and the books and all this stuff, but they're really interested in faith piece. And uh, so, uh, really good therapists, they, 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 uh, they're not bashful about talking about that and the importance of that as well. Uh, but I think that all of those things are encompassing. And um, because statistically speaking, Janice, uh, all of the books say that when you look at everything that I've gone through in the book and the things I didn't share in the book, I'm not supposed to be here. And so if it wasn't for therapy, which I didn't have a lot of, and it, it was, there was very little of that coming up for me. Um, I didn't see a therapist until I was almost out of the Marine Corps. Um, I just did, you know, you go outside, wash your face and go play and you figure it out. And as a people, that's what we've been. We've been resilient. And some people can do that. And some people can do it with, with help. We call it post-traumatic growth. Uh, but faith was the only thing that kept me going because a lot of, a lot of times I didn't know. Uh, and, and then as I talk about other difficult chapters in my life, um, had it not been for faith, uh, then, then my, my path could have been very different. There is something about you that I did not share at the outset, and I did that on purpose, because I wanted my listeners to get a feel for who you are as a person. 
Uh, you've talked about yourself as a clinician. You've talked about yourself as a Marine. You've talked about yourself as a native Augustan who has been through some traumatic experiences. And obviously you talked about yourself as an author, uh, but there's one other piece uh, that I didn't mention that I want to connect to the bigger picture of what's happening in, a, in society right now. Uh, and that is that from about 1986 until about 1989, you were actually a patrol officer in the Augusta Police Department working the streets of Augusta. And now uh, we see and hear so much about dangerous cops, racist cops, bad cops, uh, lack of trust in policing. This whole conversation has begun about the possibility of dismantling police departments. And because there's just so much distrust and so much lack of faith in law enforcement as an institution right now because of the police brutality, killings, and various other incidents that we've seen um, certainly over the last uh, few years, but if you go back in history, police brutality has always been there. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to call to everybody's attention is Isaac Ford Jr., or my friend Ike, is the caliber of person. We had this caliber of person working the streets of Augusta as a patrol officer uh, for a few years in the late 80s. Unfortunately, you left uh, Augusta under uh, some very bad circumstances, left Augusta's police department under some very bad circumstances, frankly, some quite uh, racist circumstances. Uh, can you talk a little bit about your experience, not to give away everything that's in the book, but to talk about a little bit about your experience as well as how you see uh, law enforcement, how you saw it then, and what you see as the future of law enforcement now? Yes, Janice. Well, first of all, let me just say this. I grew up in, I left D.C. when I was seven I grew up in the Deep South, but I really learned what racism was when I became a police officer. And so the conversations that we, we're having now about what you know, people are, 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 the questions of where are officers at? Why didn't he or she do this? Why didn't they speak up? Uh, whatever the case might be. And uh, so at the end of the day, um, I tried to do the things before I went on the street every day, Janice. I read Psalms 27, 37, and 23. And I, I said a prayer. I said, Lord, let me come home alive and let me go out here and do the things that you want me to do by people. And so I did that. And so I was in the Marine Reserves at the time while I was in the police department. So I, was, I, I had sworn an oath to my country and to the city of Augusta, to the people there. And so I took that job seriously. And so when I saw things that were um, improper, that were abusive, when I saw things I thought that were illegal, that were racist, I spoke up. More courage is a, is a noble thing, but it always comes with a price. And uh, because I spoke out on a number of different topics over my time there, um, I found myself in, in, in the crosshairs of leadership. And so, uh, when people ask me, somebody in a conversation, well, you were a cop 32 years ago. Well, that didn't have anything to do with now. Here's the difference between their, that time and now, Janice. We have cell phones and cameras. But in terms of the same problems, the same systemic problems, they're good, good officers, really good officers all over the country, very professional officers. Um, and there's also in every 
agency and every organization is a criminal element. And so I think that that criminal element, and I think that the mindset uh, and, and the um, philosophies of some of these super right-leaning police associations, I think that those things are, are key to us move forward. If you told me two months ago that a city uh, mayor and that a chief of police would fire an officer for the things that we've seen every weekend in my lifetime, I never thought. But because of this movement we're in right now and with the tragic uh, death of George Floyd, there's movement now. And so now I'm hopeful. I hoped when I left the Marine and when I left the police department and uh, I was fired, no charges, no allegations, no misconduct, no write-ups, no complaints from, from the public. The reason why I was fired is because we had problems with you. Now juxtapose that with what you hear every day. And so also you hear about all of the uh, police associations and police unions coming out and they are rock solid behind officers on anything. They didn't even call me, Janice. They didn't come, they didn't show up for me. They didn't participate in any way. I did get police support. I got black police officers from Los Angeles, from Chicago, from New York City, from Atlanta, from LA. They found out about my case because of people like Ophelia Wakefall, Ophelia Adams now, and because of um, local clergy, the late uh, Reverend N.T. Young, uh, uh, T.O. Lampkin, um, the late great Dr. Joseph Lowry, they came to Augusta and supported me, not the local police unions. And so it speaks to the times we were in then versus where we are right now. And I'm hoping, and, and I hope and pray that with all the things I went through, which is not just being fired, but being blackballed, being arrested, and had these people not come to town, I might've been killed. So we're not talking about the 50s and the 60s, Janet. <laughs> Janice, we're talking about this was this happened in the 80s. And so as painful as it was, and it was very difficult for me to deal with for many years, I feel better now because I, I think that officers are in a place, officers of goodwill, Janice, are in a better space now to come forward and to be able to speak the truth. And that's what we as, as, as all citizens, we need that. We need officers just to, 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 to do the right things when they see it, police their own, and have accountability the same way as we have accountability. Uh, so yes, I support and I agree that police officers, first responders, and military people should be given, a grant of, um, should be given uh, respect and our support. But with that comes responsibility. We also owe something. And so, um, the same way that you do business in the bottom is the same way you should do it if you're, if you're in the hill section and, and throughout cities and, and communities and, and throughout the country. If you're doing business the right way with every community and every group that you're dealing with, it's just that simple. It's not a training issue. So I mean, I'm uh, encouraged by what I'm seeing now that a lot of other people uh, feel the same way. And I think there's a movement that's going to lend itself to being beneficial for all citizens and for, and for those that do the very difficult job of being police officers. And, and I really appreciate that. Um, 
I do believe that there is going to be change. A couple shows ago, I said, you know, I hate that it took us to have to watch George Floyd die over the course of that eight minutes and 46 seconds, um, but he didn't die in vain. I think there really is going to be some change. The challenge now is keep it from being just knee-jerk reactions to being something that's going to be sustainable over time. Uh, but hopefully uh, various local government organizations will act in a way uh, that makes that uh, come to fruition. Um, I um, also want to point out, uh, as I mentioned earlier, but I don't want the audience to lose sight of this, is that they are some very intelligent, thoughtful, caring men and women who choose to become law enforcement officers. I think in previous conversations where we've spoken, uh, Ike, you mentioned that had it not been for the way things happened with the Augusta Police Department, you probably would have stayed in law enforcement for a career. Yes, uh, early on, um, early on, I, I actually thought about becoming a U.S. Marshal. Um, and, but uh, after that, uh, that episode, uh, I kind of lost my taste for it. And um, as fate would have it, I went back into the military and, and I retired as an E-9 and, and God opened up other doors. And that's something also I tell people uh, when I'm talking to young people. I said, you, when you make a stand for right and you try to do the right things and you pay a price, in my experience, everything I've ever lost for making a stand and for showing moral courage it was returned to me tenfold. And so as hard as it was for me to go through the things I went through in Augusta, a lot of things have happened for me in the last three decades would have never happened had that not, had not gone through that. So I tell people, be, be encouraged and, and don't lose faith, even though you may be challenged with things. Uh, you can look up, you can get up, and there's still hope. Yeah, we've got about uh, five and a half minutes left okay. of our time here. Um, as you prepare to close, a uh, couple of things. One, can you tell people how they can get a copy of your memoir? So you can, you can go to my website, which is Isaac, I-S-A-A-C-F-O-R-D.org. And it's also available on Amazon. Uh, if you go to my site, then I send you a signed copy. I promise you, if you pick it up, you won't put it down. Parts of it will make you laugh, other parts will make you cry. Uh, but hopefully, at the end of the day, it will inspire you and um, and be a, be a blessing to someone. Yeah, I, I did not put it down uh, after I started reading. Uh, like I said, it was a quick read. I probably was finished in three days um, because I, I was connected to the story, number one. So many uh, <clears throat> Native Augustans like myself will be connected to the story. Um, and But it's so compelling from the standpoint that <clears throat> we see that people can start anywhere under very traumatic circumstances and they can still achieve some of the things that you have. And if you can talk a little bit about your career in the Marines, um, some of your accomplishments there, uh, some of your uh just if you go back over your life, you know, just some of the high points and things as you rose up from the bottom, uh, what were some of what you consider to be your greatest accomplishments? Well, I, I like this. I think the Marine Corps also played a very par powerful role in my life. Uh, and when I left Augusta for the last time, I stayed with the Marine Corps and I retired in uh, July of 2009. I retired to rank of Master Gunnery Sergeant. And at my retirement, uh, July 29th of 2009, uh, the executive vice dean of the School of Social Work was there 
He said, today Isaac is a warrior, tomorrow's a Trojan. So literally, I didn't even take the weekend off. I was working in, in uh, missions at USC. And while working on my master's in clinical social work at USC, uh, which I obtained in 2012, um, I was also um, working with students from uh, various backgrounds and eventually left there as the assistant director of military and diversity outreach. And um, so did veteran integration, uh, a whole range of things that were just a perfect fit. And then since that time, I started a consulting business uh, for sales and diversity and photography business. And then this book, and now I'm speaking all over the country. So God is good. God is good. And, um, and uh, of course, I, I credit uh, all of that to my faith and then for the people, which I tell them all day, every day. I call people in Augusta at least twice a month, say, I love you, there's nothing you can do about it. Because without them, there would be no me. You mentioned the speaking engagements. Uh, tell me uh, where they go. I think they go to your website, but if you could say that again, if anybody wants you to come in and tell your story. Okay, so it's Isaac, I-S-A-A-C-F-O-R-D.org. And within my site, you can see my email, Isaac Alphaman at gmail.com. And then my phone number is there. And I pick it up all the time. Okay. All right. Great. And this whole notion of him as Alpha Man, just want you all to know uh, he is a member of the Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. <laughs> There's a reason that that is what his email says. All right. I want to thank you so much, Ike, for being with me today, um, to being part of our show. Uh, and I'm glad that I have a platform to help you tell that story, um, because there are a lot of people who can benefit from everything that you have been through uh, and everything that you're still uh, doing, because we know the story is not over yet. You're still a relatively young man, right? Yes. <laughs> so, so James, can, can, I, can I have five seconds? Can you sure. indulge me? Sure. Okay, so first of all, we want to celebrate uh, all of these super successful people and success stories that have come out of the bottom. I mean, and there have been many, and I kind of give a nod to that in the book. But we also want to talk about you, a product of the bottom. Uh, Trailblazer, then a city manager, general manager of the Augusta Consolidated, uh, uh, Consolidated uh, City of Augusta and Richmond County and Mecklenburg County uh, and also Albany. And so we are super proud of you and all the, the, the hundreds of others that came from the bottom. And that's what I want to let people know. You may hear the bottom, the tracks, the cut, whatever else. A lot of us can, can, can uh, identify with that. But outside of poverty and adversity, a lot of, a lot of gems, a lot of jewels come out of those, those, those communities and from those people. So I want to celebrate you and say thank you and continue success to you in this podcast and all you do. I love you. There's nothing you can do about it. All right. Love you too, Ike. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Uh, if there are friends of yours, relatives, particularly young males in your family who may benefit from hearing a message like this, uh, please uh, uh, let them, direct them to uh, my SoundCloud profile or to my website. On SoundCloud, it is soundcloud.com slash local matters. My website, janiceallenjackson.weebly.com, where I have audio of all of these shows. Um, also, I encourage you to go out and purchase that book if you uh, can do so. Uh, as we close, I will leave you with my favorite Bible verse. Uh, that is 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. 
This show is designed to contribute to each of those, giving you the power that comes with knowledge, demonstrating love for your local community, and offering you wisdom for decision-making to make sure that you possess a sound mind when it comes to these topics. Tune in next Wednesday at 1.30 p.m. here on WKZK because local matters.